Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information about our ministries, head to calvarystgeorges.org. How many of you know that song? You know, it's our rock and our redeemer. What is it? Jesus is the rock, the rock that lasts. Jesus is the rock that lasts. Anybody? Thank you. you. Somebody here went to vacation Bible school. So what's your name? Elizabeth. Elizabeth has found her resting place. Jesus is the rock that lasts. Good for you. So I want to, I want to speak about the thief on the cross, the one who, the one who ministers to the other fellow and says, uh, but, you know, he hasn't done anything. Jesus hasn't done anything. We are getting what we deserve. The one who asks Jesus for help. The one who um, gets help. So what is this distance that he goes? Uh, because I want to go that distance myself. I want us all to go that distance ourselves. Because the cross today, as the cross is presented to us, we are to see the King of Kings, the Holy One. But to get there, we go through a process, don't we? It's a wonderful thing about the cross. It's, it's really a mirror. We stand before the cross and we see ourselves in all the action that's taking place. It draws us in. Didn't Jesus say that? All men will be drawn in before me. Yeah? So this thief... You know, I, I, on 8th Street, there's a Wrangler store. It used to be a Wrangler store. I had to look up Wrangler. I guess Levi stayed. Wrangler went out. Wrangler was before Jordache, you understand. This is how bad it is. Um, but anyway, I stole a belt. I figured out that you could put a belt on, and I thought, I have a brilliant idea. I'll walk out of the store with the belt on, and no one will know because I put it on. Well, that's not true. So a, a, guy, a hand reaches out, grabs me right as I'm about to go out the door, or as I go out the door, and I end up in the basement, and the guy wants to write my name and my address down, and I'm shaking with fear, but I tricked him. When I said my last name, I didn't use the C in Broderick. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was deeply convinced that that would mean the letter would not get to my parents. The deep truth is that the lack of bureaucracy on the part of Wrangler is the reason that the letter didn't get to my parents. <laughs> but I always stayed away from this store. It had a kind of electrical energy to it. Do you know what I mean? The kind of, if you've really, really done something completely sucky someplace, you just don't want to go to that floor in the building. Maybe you got too drunk. Maybe you made a fool of yourself in some way. Maybe you took a risk with somebody and they rejected you. I don't know what it is, but you go, I think I'll just miss out on that particular place. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, do you have any places that are electric fields for you? And in electric fields, you just don't want, the idea is I'm going to take care of this pain by just avoiding it, which is not a bad strategy. I mean, it works for a while. Do you know that people 
the average cost of a really good analyst in the city of New York is $375 an hour. And it's stated by many analysts that 80% of the time they spend with their patients, their patients are lying to them. I just wonder, have you ever lied to your therapist? That's crazy. <laughs> Forgive them, for they know not what... Yeah, it's nuts. And so when Adam and Eve thought that maybe if they put some stuff on their genitals, they were sort of not in trouble anymore, that was insane, right? Yeah, I'll put a toga cloth on, and then other thing will be fine. So Winnicott at Harvard, great therapist Winnicott, they made a whole building for him, and um, this endless numbers of therapy sessions going on in there, and a, man, a, a reporter was standing in front, and he said, aren't you thrilled, uh, Dr. Winnicott, that all of this analysis is going on here at Harvard? He said, well, we've got a lot of rooms. I don't know how much analysis. See, it will do no good for this man to be dying on the cross if he can't tell the truth about where he is, but to tell the truth about where he is, he has to feel safe. He has to feel the grace of Christ. And the man, he says to his friend, has, or the other thief, has not done anything, this man. The wrongs that have been done, we have done. We are at this place on a hill, at this mirror, and the man next to him, dying, he realizes, has done nothing to deserve what he's getting. And in fact, it must have occurred to him that this man could come down if he wanted to. But he wanted to come down. This man wants to be on the cross. But the thief must have wanted to come down. I mean, think about it. If you were on the cross, you'd be just saying, I will sell my house, my, just get me out of here, wouldn't you? Have you ever been trapped in an elevator? So it's this tremendous paradox, isn't it, that this thief is confronted with. And I think it's through paradox in many ways that we often are able to see the glory of Christ. I really mean it. It's through paradox. It's through irony. And some can see irony and some people can't. Right? I mean, some people look at something and they think it's a little sentimental story. They look at a person who's very sick on the street and they go, gosh, that's the problem with homelessness. And then they go in and they eat a fancy dinner. But some people are stopped short looking at someone and they think, how can I go in and have a fancy dinner? Um, this is ironic. There's an irony here in my life. Jesus used paradox all the time to bring us to this moment of transcendence. Remember the worker who got the same amount at the end of the day? Right? A paradox. How can you pay this guy the same amount as you paid somebody who worked for eight hours? Leaders we have throughout the time with Jesus who know absolutely nothing. Nicodemus, you don't know where the wind comes from or where it's going. The meek will inherit the earth. He's trying to drive us crazy. He's constantly saying, which I certainly said as a teenager, and I think we've all said, you don't make any sense. It's not coming together. 
And the thief sees the great paradox. You know, they say in community organizing, and this is always helpful for me, if you want to do some community organizing and you have a group get together, what you want to do is pick the person in the room, not the person who's the smartest, not the person who's best able to do it, not the most well-connected, not the richest, the angriest. That's who you want to get with. Because they're mad at the irony of the injustice, and they've got to figure it out, and they're freaking out. And that's God's movement in their heart to bring them to the cross. And it's God's movement in your heart to bring you to the cross. What are you angry about? What, what do you say, this is impossible, I can't tolerate this anymore? Vaclav Havel was the playwright who was the president of Czechoslovakia. Um, you remember Vaclav Havel? He's, it was incredible that a playwright poet became the president of Czechoslovakia. And he took them through a very, very hard time. That's now called um, Carpatho-Ukraine. So imagine, you know they're as far from the bombing as we are from Chicago right now. Anyway, he was accepting a prize at Hebrew University, and he said this in his speech. He said, I'm always creating something, organizing something. It would seem is to vindicate my personally questionable right to exist. You may well ask how someone who thinks of himself this way can be the president of a country. It's a paradox. But I must admit that if I'm a better president than many others would be in my place, then it is precisely because somewhere in the deepest substratum of my work lies this constant doubt about myself and my right to hold this office. The lower I am, the more proper my place seems. And the higher I am, the stronger my suspicion is that there has been some mistake. The work of God, the lower he is, the more proper his place seems. The higher it is, the more his suspicion that there has been some kind of mistake. The understanding of paradox made him a great president. Wouldn't it be wonderful if our leaders thought they had no right to their office? Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be great if our rector knew that? <laughs> I think he does. I think he does. That's why we love him so much. So, I had a rabbi once say the most astounding thing to me, Dove Taylor, I had a mad crush on him. He was my Hebrew teacher and I was the worst student in the class. And that's true. That's not, I'm not faking it. Um, but he, once he said, my name was Yehudit, you know. Yehudit, to live with irony is hard enough. To not see it is absurd. It is absurd not to walk around this planet thinking, this is outrageous that 1% of the population has this much 
bazongas and no one else has any, right? I mean, it is absurd that people are starving. It is absurd that we're cutting down the Amazon rainforest while we say we It is absurd that we named the War Department the Peace Department. Back to our thief. He sees, he, he makes a huge change in his heart. And this is the change that is so significant that can happen in our heart because suddenly he sees that he is part of the problem. Jesus isn't. He is. The other guy's also part of the problem. They're both part of the problem. But the man next to him is choosing to die. He's choosing to die because he's our savior. He's choosing to go low so that this poor man can have someone to cling to who's out of this situation and who can help him to rise to glory. He's choosing to come down so that he can be raised. Robert Coles, the great child psychologist, was working with a little kid named Jimmy who detested his father. Jimmy had tremendous rage at his father, in fact, so much so that he took a kitchen knife and started to go at his father with a kitchen knife, so he winds up in therapy with Robert Coles. And the little kid is in the chair, and Robert Coles asked him a question. He said, is there any time, any time at all that you like your father? And the kid said, yes. And Coles said, when? And he said, when he's on his knees at church, when they cut themselves down to his size, they are tallest in his eyes. When Jesus dies, he makes the space, the room at the foot of the cross for all of us to get under, under that cross and feel his blood as it cleanses us as we are in a place where we can rest in the glory of Christ because he has come to us, not we to him. We are most strong when we let ourselves be vulnerable. When we see Jesus and we know we have absolutely nothing to offer. When we say, holy, holy, holy Lord, God of you're going to do it. The Sanctus, God of power and might. Exactly. That's, thank you. Um, yeah. When we say that, holy, holy, kadosh, kadosh, kavot, v'yanachnu koreim umnachtachavim umodim, we bow our head to the Lord, the King of kings, the Holy One. Because it was the Torah that came in then. But now it's the bread and wine, the very presence of Jesus Christ. And the thief sees, sees the space that he can enter into. Jesus is suffering his death for him. And he says those wonderful words that we can all say. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And what Jesus always answers, I mean immediately. Bam, did you see that? Remember me when it comes to, please remember me. Bam, right on target. 
today you're going to be in paradise. What a holy moment that was. Nothing in my hands I bring, only to thy cross I cling. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of our parish, we would really appreciate it. You can make a one-time or recurring gift by going to calvarystgeorges.org slash give. Thank you for your support.